Welcome to the Linden Road Online Experience. So glad you are here. If this is your first time and you've jumped in, we want to say a special welcome to you and would invite you to click on the digital connection card or leave a comment here in the chats. Or if you're watching this on YouTube, scroll down into the description and you'll find a link there for our digital connection card and just let us know who you are your email address and we just would love to share some information with you but also if there's a prayer request you might have or a question we might be able to answer and again we certainly hope it's not your last time but we're so glad you're here with us today and if this is your spiritual home we invite you to use the same connection card or the chat or uh, if you're watching it on youtube just scroll down and look for the link there for the digital connection card and, and please let us know how we can be of help excited as we gather here to share that there was some more movement and uh, progress at the, at the Jericho Wall, a banner that was made for both sides of the fence. On the north side, it has the title, the Jericho Wall, and on the south side has uh, markings there for the prayer garden that's there on the upper level that's hosted by First Christian Church. But it's cool to see these things happen. Earlier this week, about 40 people showed up in the rain to help put the banner up, I had to zip tie it on both sides, and so I was grateful that uh, Lynn Feldman and her nephew Donnie was able to participate, and how cool it is to see what this looks like. And we are going to be dedicating it on August 31st at 11 o'clock, and we've invited all sorts of folks to come and be part of that as we dedicate this space to build awareness for those that have pushed through uh, addiction and to help mark in a very real way how the community can respond. If you'd like to know more about the project, you can click on a link here in the worship notes or go to jerichowall.info. There's a place there to make a gift if you'd like to support it as a stakeholder. There's also where you can leave someone's name that you know that has lost their life to addiction. And then even a little bit about their story that we can give proper honor to them. of our series called Unhindered and we're looking at and we're looking at this last word out of the book of Acts Acts chapter 28 where we're talking about how the kingdom of God is unhindered how the things that are supposed to be taking place in our world even from Paul being locked up in on house arrest there still he wrote his prison epistles and then even met with people and in fact let's look at this verse again it says for two whole years Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And what I want to do this week is I want to drill down that idea of the kingdom of God. It's something we talk about. We pray as we say the Lord's Prayer. Uh, we invite the kingdom of God to come. Uh, yet I, I want us to see what it is that we're asking for and how the kingdom of God is understood. And I want to look at the Gospels especially because that's where Jesus taught on the kingdom of God. And as we looked a couple weeks ago and talked about this idea of the Gospel, and even as we looked the last couple weeks about how we can make the word Gospel into an acrostic so that we can better understand how to share our faith with others who need to know about the hope of the Gospel, the truth is that this news is even better than we think it can be. 
if we really can wrap our mind around the idea of what the gospel is all about, because to see this idea of the gospel, it, it's something that's bigger and greater and more expansive, than, and it covers so much more than any of us can probably imagine. And as we lean into it these next couple of weeks, is I just want to unpack what does it mean for us to understand being people who are of the kingdom. Now, for many of us, as we think about in your own mind, uh, you can say, well, I, I know the gospel. I, I've heard the gospel. I've responded to the gospel. I've accepted Jesus. And that's amazing. And that's great and uh, well done. But what I want us to see is that it goes beyond more than that that the good news reaches more deeply into our very lives than I think many of us operate from as a core principle. Now, the truth is this, this good news, it can give us a vision of how we're to live our lives day by day. We know that this gospel of the kingdom of God, that it not only guarantees our salvation through Jesus, not that anything we've done, but because of what he's done for us, and we know from that we get this promise of eternal life. But it's also, I want us to see God's radical plan to change the lives of people here and now. That it's the Father's way of growing us into uh, mature followers of Jesus Christ. Now, I think for many of us over the years, we have only understood just a little bit of the gospel. That it is this promise of salvation, this promise of salvation in Jesus, and the idea of uh, the assurance of living with God forever in heaven. And those things are part of the gospel. But I want us to see that our God, our generous God, that he's done far more than we could possibly imagine. And that's why I want to lean into this unpacking of the idea of what it means to be part of the kingdom. Now, let me say this. If you're watching this today and you're trying to figure out whether or not the claims of Jesus are true, or, or if you're curious about what following Jesus is all about, then I want to say thanks for checking us out, and I hope we can answer your questions. You've uh, picked a good day to sort of lean into this dialogue as we talk about what this thing, the good news, is all about, about the God's kingdom. And I want you to know that it's available for you too today. So what I want to do today is take a look at how Jesus understood the kingdom. And to do that, we're going to look at some verses out of all four of the Gospels in the New Testament, where we can see the depth of this good news that Jesus proclaimed. And we'll unpack in the weeks ahead about what that all means. So let's get started. This is the first idea of the good news. We've talked about it before. We do know this, right? The the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they tell us about the, the life and the teachings of Jesus. Each gospel in its own unique way also describes the death and resurrection of Jesus. And we call these four books the gospels because they contain the good news of Jesus Christ. And as we defined it out here a few weeks ago, this idea gospel literally means good news. But what exactly is the good news? Let's talk about that for a moment. It's communicated in this phrase that we see in Scripture, the kingdom of God is near. Now, it's interesting. John the Baptist preached this message in Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. And Jesus began his ministry with this message as well. It says in Mark, after John was put 
in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. That's Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. You see, this is one way Jesus characterized his mission. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. That's Luke chapter 4, verse 43. So what we see here, that early in each of these gospels, this idea of the good news, it is this idea of the proclamation that God's kingdom has come near to people. Now it's interesting, other translations of these verses say that the kingdom of God is at hand, or uh, one says the kingdom of God is breaking in. You see, Jesus was announcing that the Father's reign was coming close to humanity. It was previously far away, and now it was coming near. So let's talk about this idea of the kingdom of God. Let's understand what it is all about. I know that we take the lordship of Jesus Christ seriously, and we and this is going to be our big idea for this message, is that God's will is done God's way among God's people. Early in his ministry on earth, Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount. And we find this great sermon in Matthew's Gospel. It's in chapters 5, 6, and 7. It's a, a message that is targeted to his disciples. Now, I want you to see how prominently Jesus mentions this idea of God's kingdom. In fact, he talks about the kingdom eight times in his sermon. Now, I want to look at two of those examples from the Sermon on the Mount. We know this is part of the, what we call the Lord's Prayer, where Jesus taught us how to pray. Let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. So what we have here is Jesus is saying to his disciples that they are to pray for the coming of God's kingdom. And then he explains what that's going to look like. And it's this idea that God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, this is really a key concept for us to understand. You see, Jesus is telling us that God's kingdom is not a physical kingdom, that it doesn't have boundaries or borders, that it's not found in one single location, but it's found wherever God's will is done on earth, just as it is in heaven. Okay, so let's ponder for a moment and try to imagine how God's will is done in heaven. I mean, let me ask you a couple questions. Do you think that those that are in heaven, that they lie to one another? Probably not. Or that they hurt one another? Definitely not. Do you think in heaven people are afraid about their future? Are you kidding me? They're so glad they're there, right? Absolutely not. Because you see, God rules in heaven, and he rules there in peace and in harmony that is there between people. And so there is no fear. There is no anxiety about who's in control. God's got it. He's in charge. And so this idea of the good news from Jesus is this, is that it's possible to live here on earth in peace and harmony, free from fear or anxiety. And what Jesus is saying to his disciples is that they need to pray that his will becomes a reality. Now, this reality of God's kingdom, that it's going to first show up as it's demonstrated among God's people. And that's where it gets complicated, right? As we've talked over the many weeks. This idea that we are sometimes the only Jesus that people are going to know, 
That's why Jesus says to his disciples then and, and to you and I now to pray for this very thing in our lives each day. Now, this is really key. And some people think that this part of the Lord's Prayer is simply like praying for world peace. But I want us to see it's much more than that. Because as we lean into the rest of the Lord's Prayer, we see that it is about our everyday lives, right? Give us our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Of course, these things are all true, right? We should pray for world peace. It's a good thing. But Jesus is also saying to us as his followers that we need to pray that God's kingdom would become an everyday reality in their lives and in our lives. Okay, so let's take a look at another mention of God's kingdom in the Sermon on the Mount. Now, it's interesting that, again, the Lord mentions God's kingdom, this phrase, eight times in this sermon. And we're only taking a look at two of them. And they come right in the middle of the sermon. Uh, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus tells us we should not worry about what we will eat or drink, nor should we worry about what we will wear, but we should seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and everything else will take care of itself. It says here, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, when we look at these two verses together, we can see that Jesus is telling us, he's instructing us to pray fervently with passion for God's kingdom to become a, a reality in our lives and that God's kingdom would actually be our highest priority. Now, I think sometimes we think that Jesus only preached about forgiveness or about the need to be born again, and that is true. He certainly does talk about those things and that they are important to our faith journey. They're actually vital to our uh, being part of the Christian faith but this idea of the new birth, it is the doorway. It's the way we walk into God's kingdom. Jesus talks about God's kingdom far more than he talks about what we call this idea of salvation. It's interesting in the four gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus uses the word salvation or the word saved 23 times. And yet what's amazing is he uses God's kingdom, those words, nearly 120 times. Now, that doesn't mean that born again is not important. In fact, John chapter 3 tells us in the conversation that Jesus has with Nicodemus that we cannot enter the kingdom of God unless we are born again. So this idea of the new birth, of making a commitment to Jesus, is our doorway. It's our entryway into how we find God's kingdom. Now, to be reminded, this kingdom of God has no borders and no boundaries. It's not something that's political or even social. It's about this idea, this big idea, that God's will being done God's way among God's people. You see, the result that comes from that, when we walk faithfully in our relationship with Jesus, is this concept of righteousness, peace, and joy. And we'll talk about that here in a moment. His kingdom brings the peace in the order of heaven into our everyday lives. And I don't know about you, but I'm certainly one who wants peace. I hope you do too. The way to peace, the real peace that passes all understanding is this new birth in Jesus Christ of making a profession of faith in him. That's where we start. That's the beginning point. And the reason why the good news is better than you first thought is that it's the new birth 
that opens the possibility of living in God's kingdom right here and now, as well as living there when we go eventually to die in heaven. Now, I think there's many people who think that the gospel is only about going to heaven when you die. And the truth is we are promised eternal life in Jesus Christ. But I want us to see that this gospel is also about learning a new way to live. It's about God's way. And the result of living in God's kingdom is that in our lives, a little bit of heaven begins to break into our everyday lives right now, right here and right now. That's why Jesus began his ministry by saying the kingdom of heaven is close at hand. He wasn't trying to say God's kingdom is going to take over the earth once and for all. He was trying to say, though, that God's kingdom finds its home in the hearts of God's people. And if we will only receive him through the new birth, we will learn to live as subjects of Jesus, who is our king. So that's why this idea of being born again from above is so important. It's the starting point. It's where we step off, where we begin. And the truth is, we cannot live fully as subjects of King Jesus apart from his grace and mercy, apart from his Holy Spirit living in us. And yet so many people have limited the gospel to mean only this idea of heaven, that it's something that happens when we die. But I want us to see and want us to embrace this idea that the gospel is so much bigger. You see, the gospel presents the good news that we can live heavenly lives right here and now. Not that we'll be perfect or that life will be perfect, or not that we won't have trials and tribulations. As we do live our lives walking with Jesus, is that heaven, this idea of the kingdom, can be worked into us a little bit at a time, day by day, as we love him and follow him. I want to say, too, that living kingdom lives requires, as a prerequisite, that we are born again. And so no matter how hard we try on our own efforts, we will never reflect the goodness and mercy of heaven. It just isn't going to happen this side of, of the gates. But I want us to see that the same grace that saves us can also transform us or can at least begin to transform us as we walk with Jesus. And that, my friend, is good news. I don't think our Heavenly Father is going to force us to wait until we've died to receive the benefits of becoming his sons and daughters. That is not the way it works. So first, we need to understand his grace assures us of life in heaven. And then that same grace works the life of heaven into us day by day. And that's such a beautiful thing. So now that we've discovered how important the kingdom of God is to the good news that Jesus preached, let's just dive in a moment here or two about some misconceptions I think that exist about the kingdom of God. First of all, I want to say clearly, we don't want to confuse the kingdom of God with heaven. They're two separate things. God's kingdom does include heaven, of course, but God's kingdom is so much bigger, so much larger. Remember this idea that the kingdom of God is anywhere that God's will is being done in God's way. It's even this idea in the very word kingdom. It's where the king has dominion. That's even how we get the word, right? It's a combination of these two words, king and dominion. So it's true that God rules in heaven, but it's also true that he rules in the hearts of his people. And I think this is an important distinction, because if we think the kingdom of God means only heaven, 
then we will think that everything Jesus said about how the gospel of the kingdom is for some future time after we die. But you see, Jesus said that God's kingdom is breaking into here and now, or at least beginning to. So the kingdom is more than heaven. And then second is this idea that the kingdom of God is not the same thing as the church. That the Bible is pretty clear as it describes the church as the bride of Christ. And so the church has a very special place in God's heart. But sadly, there are many churches where God's will is not done God's way. And that's okay, uh, because we know that churches, this one included, is filled with imperfect people. And the church is where imperfect people worship God together. But you see, God's kingdom is so much bigger than the church. So the kingdom is more than the church. And again, perhaps maybe the best way to understand the kingdom of God is this passage I mentioned earlier, at least the words from it. It comes to us from the Apostle Paul, who in the book of Romans, chapter 14, verse 17 says, The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, what that means is this, is that wherever people relate rightly to God, wherever there is peace of God, wherever there is joy of our salvation, that's where the kingdom of God is. And what that means is that we can discover the kingdom of God in some pretty amazing places. Now, in the Old Testament, for example, in the book of Daniel, we know Daniel's story, right? Daniel was an amazing servant of God who was living in exile in this land of Babylon. He was far, far away from Jerusalem. And yet, as we read about Daniel's life, we know this much about him. He was characterized by these words of being filled with righteousness, peace, and joy. And we know that Daniel's life and even his ministry were an outpost of God's kingdom. Now, when we talk about Daniel and others in the Old Testament, this should give us hope that we all can be ambassadors of God in his great kingdom. Now, if Daniel was able to live in harmony with God in a strange and foreign land, I think we can do the same thing. We can do that at work, we can do that at school, we can do that at home, or wherever God has planted us. I mean, think about it. God's kingdom, we can find it in all sorts of unusual places. For example, I see it when I go into the jail or, or into our local correctional facility here through Prison Fellowship. I can see it where people who have made mistakes and made bad choices that even though they're convicted or will be convicted of a crime, they can also surrender their lives to Jesus while they're there incarcerated. And in doing so, they can do God's will, God's way, day by day. And they can be the kingdom. And I see it in such an encouraging way when the men encourage each other in their faith journey. It's been so cool to watch just recently. They just finished up the Disciple Bible Study series that's put out by the United Methodist Church. It is like boot camp for Christians. It's solid and good stuff and how they were able to lean into that. And we're so excited because they had all gotten medallions to reflect the fact that they had accomplished that task. And so, yes, they're incarcerated. Yes, they're going to serve out their time. At the same time, they can be an encouragement to each other and how God shows up in that, in those moments. Or even earlier this year, as we shared about the Hope event we did around Easter time, where we brought in a speaker from outside and Jeff Pollan was there to lead worship. A beautiful night that was. And so even though the men are there because of bad choices and they're there because 
they are being incarcerated, they can still encourage each other to be fully devoted followers of Jesus. And they can repent of their sins and they can build a life of bringing the kingdom even inside the walls of the prison. And so I want us to see, too, that there's other ministry opportunities. And maybe you have one. And if you do, maybe put it in the chat of where you see God show up. I mean, one other ministry I know well is the, it's called MOPS, the Mothers of Preschoolers, that does amazing good work of bringing women together who have young children. And it's a play group so that the women can be together. And as their kids play, they, they do Bible study together and encourage each other. We're living life together. It's a way of living lives in the right relationship of where we get this idea of righteousness, peace, and joy. Or another experience for some of us has been the walk to Emmaus, where people come and have a three-day weekend experience and then lean into helping others have that same kind of experience of allowing the kingdom of God to show up in a fresh new way of bringing about righteousness, peace, and joy. I also know it takes place in our schools. Uh, we, in the school year, have a program at Mansfield Senior called a Life Club, where students gather on a weekly basis to encourage each other in prayer and in Bible study. That the kingdom of God shows up there. And even this idea of in our workplace, where we go to work each day, the encouragement we can offer each other for righteousness, peace, and joy. And to see that God shows up in the hearts of his people, and then even on Sunday morning, we can discover it here in the building or even here online. We can discover that we as a group of imperfect people can come together to learn how to do God's will, God's way for God's sake. So as we look at this idea of the kingdom, the kingdom of God, I want us to see that it's not owned by any particular culture or even a denomination, that God's kingdom that it exists wherever Jesus, the King, has dominion in the hearts and minds and lives of his followers. It means that the kingdom of God can sneak in anywhere and can operate in any environment. And you know what? That's an amazingly good thing. That is the good news. So let's continue to lean in to this idea that the gospel is unhindered as we proclaim who Jesus is. And, and to remind you, this invitation, if you will, to that this first step is that you need to be born from above, that you need to receive God's free, gracious gift of forgiveness in Christ Jesus and to surrender your heart to him. Maybe you're watching today and you haven't made that first step. I want to invite you to do that. Jesus said we cannot see or enter God's kingdom without being born from above. And so maybe this is your day. Maybe today is the day that you were born into a brand new kingdom. And so let's pray. Father, I am grateful for these truths of what your kingdom is, and we do pray that your kingdom would come. And as we gather here online, I pray if there's someone who has not made that first-time commitment, that they would do that simple prayer of just saying, Lord, forgive me. I place my faith in you, and thank you for loving me. And so, God, I pray that that can be real for all of us and that we can know that your love will move us in new amazing ways as we see the kingdom develop. And so we pray your Holy Spirit would guide us in the week ahead, and we pray it through the strong name of Jesus. Amen.